Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My very special guest with me today is my friend Sean. Hello again. And today we're going to be discussing chapter 59 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. In chapter 59, Lizzie tells her parents about her engagement to Darcy. It's the evening after the engagement and the acknowledged lovers talked and laughed and the unacknowledged were silent. And Lizzie rather knew she was happy than felt herself to be so. And then that night she tells Jane and they have this hilarious back and forth. Oh, yes, it's wonderful. They're, you know, 20, 20 and a 22-year-old. Mm. So there's, they're young girls. They're having these nighttime conversations, which two sisters often do in the middle of the night. You can see the stark difference between the characters. I mean, nobody knew what Jane felt except really Jane, except really Elizabeth. But J- Jane was so private about her feelings that the rest of the people were, were certainly Bingley and people didn't have the same impression but Elizabeth had been so vehement in her dislike of Mr Darcy that she had a, <laughs> you know how could she explain her change of point of view the dialogue between the two of them is this of, of Lizzie being sure that Jane would understand her but Jane was really quite flummoxed. Oh, Jane says, and do you really love him quite well enough? Well enough. Well enough. Or does he do anything rather than marry without affection? Mm. And then her father echoes the same thing later in the chapter. He says, don't marry someone you can't respect. In fact, he says, I know that you can be neither happy nor respectable unless you truly esteemed your husband, unless you looked up to him as a superior. That superior thing pissed me off a little bit as a 21st century woman. And again, I think this is one of the the challenges when we read a book written in this time is to place our own cultural um, expectations across it. Yes, I mean, he could have just said you're equal. And I think, yeah, it's definitely got to be if there's anyone that Lizzie looks down on, she will mock the shit out of them. And that would not lead to a good marriage. That would not lead. And it would. She needs somebody who can challenge her in all ways and in her own opinions. And I think that's one of the things she's learned is that for all her reading, she's not as knowledgeable as she would like to think she is. And Darcy's got a wider view of the world than she does. Far, far more experienced view of the world. Quite different understanding. And having seen him in his own home territory and having heard people speak about him without knowing any form of relationship that she might have had with him, and to hear the respect that they had for him was an absolute eye-opener because she would have expected people to have been quite disparaging about how offhand he was. And it comes out, I think, also in the chapter, the difference between Darcy and his sense of responsibility and his taking responsibility as opposed to Mr. Bennett, who abrogates his responsibility and she loves the both men quite dearly, but she knows very well she would not want to be married to her father no. or somebody like him. Because she would end up wearing the trousers there. And Jane says to Lizzie, but Lizzie, you have been very sly, very reserved with me. How little did you tell me of what passed at Pemberley and Lampton? I know all, I owe all that I know of it to another, not to you. Oh, that other must be Bingley, of course. Yes. In her own way, Jane's very sly because she hasn't said anything either to to Elizabeth about knowing what happened. What happened 
and the visits at Pimberley, where she could have actually spoken beforehand, but she didn't. So she's also kept her counsel. I love how they say at night she opened her heart to Jane because that is really what's happening because she's kept so much from her for so long. And she she doesn't like that. She and Jane have always been so close that I think that's also for Elizabeth. That was her one release, her one safe release of all the frustrations of her life. That must have been a really difficult period for both of them because neither of them were talking about what was really going on for quite some time. Mm, mm. And and I think sometimes when you feel something so intensely, you, you don't want to share it with people. You don't because you feel like you're putting another burden on them. And particularly when they're already, like Lizzie would have already felt that Jane had enough of burden so she couldn't express anything. And Jane, meanwhile, was also recognising that in her view there was nothing that could be done about it but she knew Elizabeth would get really wound up and uptight so she would be trying to to calm her down as it were by not mentioning anything. They're each thinking of the other. Absolutely and they they are you know and there is this vein throughout Austin of sisters but I think these are pro- these are the the epitome of good sisters. So Bingley turns up the next day and looks at her so expressively and shook hands with such warmth as leaves no doubt of his good information. <laughs> so Darcy's obviously told him and Bingley's like, yes, yes, this is wonderful. Yes. And then he's like, where can we go walking when they can lose themselves today? I really like Bingley in this because he's, his engagement to James giving him some confidence. He's yes. recognising and he's now doing subtle teasing that's over everybody else's head. And Mrs. Bennett says, um, Lizzie, I'm quite sorry that you should be forced to have this disagreeable man all to yourself. <laughs> and she will. I know. In the long term, she'll have this disagreeable man. She'll be stuck with him. I know. But since when has Mrs. Bennett actually actually cared about Lizzie's feelings? She actually apologises to her here. This is quite interesting, isn't it? And again, I think a lot of it is... Mrs. Bennet is, is, is just Mrs. Bennet. She's oblivious to so much, is she not, really? And she plays favourites, but I think the favourites are more about what she personally herself can understand. She can't understand. She, she just doesn't comprehend Lizzie. Elizabeth at mm. all. And gets obviously very frustrated with, with Kitty, who's obviously the frail one and has to follow, and, and that's this cough. She's not harsh on them. She just is we all know people who basically you know uh, have this ability to to be insulting without actually realizing they're being insulting and i think that's what mrs bennett's like quite often and yet she's got as much subtlety as a brick and lizzie's really worried what mrs bennett's going to say when she finds out about the engagement whether she were violently set against the match or violently delighted with it it was certain that it would be equally ill-adapted to do credit to her sense um, and she's worried about Mr. Darcy hearing her first raptures of joy or her first vehemence of a disapprobation. Mm-hmm. Either would be terrible. By previous behaviour, yes. Uh, how often has she been embarrassed by her mother in front of Mr. Darcy? So often, and you're just cringing. I know. Uh, I think we've all been embarrassed by I, My father used to embarrass me terribly in company because he would always be praising me to the skies and things, you know. Yes, my father has done the same thing. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, no, stop. Just stop talking. You don't actually know what you're talking about. No, now. no, no, that's right. Because because they have this vision of their, their daughter being something so totally special. And actually, born 
semblance to reality and how can you let them down so it must have been a views his daughters quite differently well i think he he's just the born cynic isn't he really i wonder what he would have been like if he'd been married to a woman closer to his intellectual level if he'd been married to somebody like mrs gardner for example mm. but she's quite a bit younger i understand but she has the intelligence she does and would have helped him run that estate very efficiently yeah it would have been nice to see mr bennett happy i mean i think he is happy he makes himself happy by poking fun at things but it would have been nice to see him naturally happy yes and there's a number of fan fictions where mr bennett mrs bennett dies for example or something which is very convenient to the plot obviously and he marries one of the one his second wives is charlotte oh which is an interesting twist on things and of course she's so incredibly practical that it's a very good relationship and young enough to have a son you see of course it seems kind of creepy but that's what happened because you need to marry someone who's young enough to have a son we don't really know how old he is he's a few years older than his wife he would have been about 42 or well would you even been that 38 or something she was very young when she got she was very young when she got married and then had we assume she had Jane relatively early, so she may not. We she may just have been in her for, just forty. Yeah, and even 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 men with estates used to marry young to beget the heirs. So he and he was the. Why do I think he was a younger brother? I, we don't know that. I think that's not no. canon at all. Uh, so he could also be maybe in his mid forties. So the idea of marrying Charlotte at um, twenty seven is bad. actually not that bad. Interesting. I'll have to read one of those fan fictions. Oh. You get Find lost. It for me. <laughs> yes, I'll have to try and find that one. I love fan fiction. Yes, it's very addictive. At the end of his meeting with Lizzie, he says, If any young men come for Mary or Kitty, send them in, for I am quite at my leisure. Which is the end of the 2005 movie, which I think is a really good ending. It is a good finish, yes. It's a good ending, because then it's... It's about the only good thing about the 2005 movie, <laughs> I have to say. Oh, that's me. That is... I think that's. I think Jane's quite good in that. Jane is, is fabulous. Beautiful. She's, she fits. The, I think she fits really well. Caroline, I think, is also very good. Caroline reminds me of Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> which actually is probably quite apt. <laughs> <laughs> but the two main characters do nothing for me. Kyra Knightley okay. and um, Matthew McFadden. I actually like Matthew McFadden. He's fabulous in Ripper Street. The detective series. If you've never seen that, that's a fabulous series. It's set during uh, Victorian era. He's a policeman whose daughter gets drowned. So it's a bit sad, but he's actually fabulous in this series as as Mr. Darcy, as a as a as a soulful Heathcliff type Mr. Darcy. No, he does not work. Well, many have said it's the Bronte version of Pride and Prejudice. Well, it's it's got no decisiveness about him, which is the last thing you could say about Mr. Darcy. Oh, no, the bit about when she finally tells Mrs. Bennet. Oh, and she gets, sits up and she fidget about her chair, get up, sit down, wonder and bless herself. Yes, but then everything she says afterwards, they're the shortest sentences in the book. You know, a lot of that, a lot of the book is very long sentences, but here she is. It's all exclamations. Oh, my Lizzie, 10,000 a year. <laughs> oh, my dearest girl, just, just short statements and... Oh, 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 you can imagine her. 
<laughs> she doesn't know what to do with herself. No, no, totally. You know, all the excitement sits with Mrs. Bennet. All the overt excitement is... So handsome, so tall. <laughs> oh, my dear, that's it. <laughs> and then when she actually does meet with Mr. Darcy afterwards, she's so overwhelmed by him that she's actually <laughs> not the obnoxious mother that Elizabeth was really thinking she would be. Poor Lizzie was worried she was going to ruin the whole thing for her. Mm. And that is our summary of Chapter 59 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!